Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. This is episode 30. We've hit number 30 and it's a real special number 30 for you guys because in this episode, I had a fantastic chat with Stephanie Sword-Williams. Steph is a huge believer in self-advocacy and empowerment to lead people to freely and openly talk about their achievements proudly. And so we talk about how the origin story of her business called Fuck Being Humble, how it started as an Instagram page turning into her becoming a published author, delivering talks to huge international companies. Having recently been named one of Forbes 30 under 30 in 2020, among some other amazing accolades, Steph and I talk about this and how she feels following this huge growth in the space of only two years. We talk about this and how she faced burnout and the recovery from that as well. It's a really good story and I really, really encourage you to listen to the end because it's, it's really, really inspiring. And I had a great time talking to Steph. All right, shout out time. So if you don't know, every week I'm giving a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts or, you know, has dropped me a little DM or, you know, dropped a very good comment on LinkedIn. I see everything, any support, I'll basically give a shout out to you. Um, But the easiest way is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. So this week is actually coming from the US following my episode with Clara Baldwin, I think, because (laughs) it makes sense. (laughs) Shout out to the US fans. And they say, hey, this is an amazing podcast, names and all. I think this has potential to be on par with one of the great podcasts, Joe Rogan and Stuff You Know, etc. I very much enjoyed listening to all different aspects you give on entrepreneurship. Keep up the good work. And that's by Aubrian on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for that, for that review. Um, I don't know if I'm up to the same level as Joe Rogan because he's been going for a, a huge number of years. But thank you so much for that kind comment. And if you, like Aubrian, wants to want to feature in the next episode, be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts because I will give you a shout out. Okay, I know you're very tired of listening to me. So now, without further ado, let's get on with Steph's story. Okay, hey Steph, how you doing? Hi, I'm really good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. We had to stop recording and re-record because the sound quality wasn't good, but we're back now. We are back, and if it wasn't for <laughs> technical remote working problems, I don't think this would be truly authentic. So, fingers crossed, it's a bit smoother. No, yeah, it's perfect now. We were just talking about. So, you went on holiday, and you went on holiday because you, well, you needed a, a break, and yeah, I was saying how I'm pretty jealous of you because I didn't get to go on holiday. <laughs> Um, but hopefully in the future sometime. Absolutely. It's been such a hard time for people. I feel I kind of felt bad going away because I know so many people couldn't. Um, I think we forget how important a, a holiday is for our mental health and um, actually just taking a break from things. So I know I was definitely close to burnout. So I appreciate having that time away. And I definitely feel a bit more refreshed and charged to come back to work. Yeah, because you... Because you're working like for yourself, basically, and you're constantly like promoting things. You're constantly promoting yourself, your book. So like, yeah, it must be really tough, right? It's definitely really intense. I think when I started for Being Humble, it, it was a side hustle, which on top of a full time job was was really like intense and stressful. And I always thought like, gosh, it'll be so much easier when I go full time eventually if I ever do. And now that I am full-time running Foot Being Humble, it's equally as busy, if not more busy. And I don't actually know how I ever managed running a job and running the platform. So I think it's that thing where no matter what your situation, you'll always 
if it's your idea, you'll always want to pour all of your energy into it, you know, all of your like soul into an idea and and you just have to be quite careful that it doesn't doesn't make you uh, sort of burn out like I've definitely felt in the past. But yeah, I think the very nature of the platform, which is obviously encouraging people to self-promote, means that I am religiously doing it as well. And and I think that can um be yeah, quite quite draining and, and also just quite you constantly have to be sure of yourself in that way um which obviously you know I I really do try and help people with doing that but it it definitely you've really got to keep momentum with a project and and a movement like this you're an extremely like impressive person I've wanted to have on the podcast for like quite a long time um because everything that you kind of do this podcast stands for especially around stuff like you know promoting women and inclusion and all that stuff I love that whole message especially in entrepreneurship because it's an area that we spoke about before on the podcast and like women founders of color all of that stuff like we are pretty underrepresented um, in the industry as a whole that's just what the data says and so yeah I wanted to have you on for a long time but I'd, I'd love to kind of know where the whole journey of self-promotion actually started for you. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, thank you so much. That's really kind of you to say. It's always really amazing to hear people from around the world be interested in being humble. You kind of have to have a bit of reality check that people are actually listening and engaging with it sometimes. In terms of how it, it started, um, we obviously briefly spoke about this, but for anyone who doesn't know much about the Foot Being Humble journey, I've been working in advertising for the past seven years. And with that, obviously, you learn a lot about storytelling and the importance of storytelling. And a big thing that almost all brands do in, in advertising is self-remote and communicate, you know, their value to people to try and get people engaged and involved in their product or their brand and when I started working in London I moved to London three years ago now which is crazy to think and I joined a startup where I had to do a lot of new business development and networking and I'd actually never done it before and I learned a lot about networking and how you build up the skills to do it properly and when I went to a lot of these events, I kept on seeing um, panels that were often underrepresented. It was a lot of, I always make the joke, it was white, male, pale, stale. Um, and it was very much like over 50 white men in suits. Uh, even though it was the creative industry, it was very often like, you know, CEOs who've run global agencies for 20 years. And rarely did I see women, particularly women of color. Um, and my thing was always sort of under the age of 30. And and whilst I was going to these industry events that I saw very similar representation, I was also going to really cool exhibitions and following cool people on Instagram who stood against all of that and you know were my age and you know black and brown women and you know people with disabilities and so many different amazing people doing really inspiring things but they weren't being invited to speak on panels or being featured in mainstream publications and I was kind of asking myself why is this and of course we can blame it on the event organizers because a lot of the time it is their problem and it is that hierarchical status quo that isn't challenged but I also think there is a big problem uh, with the fact that many of us just aren't taught on how to self-promote in order to get ourselves to those stages and to get ourselves seen by those people so I could see there was a disconnect there and then simultaneously I had friends constantly coming to me I turned into a bit of like a career agony and I was 
I'd been sort of I moved jobs quite regularly I'd had six seven jobs in six years no six jobs in seven years and I I really stand by that for me anyone that's listening who's definitely in the younger audience please please don't feel the need to stay in one company for the rest of your life I'm a believer that you should move I stand by that as well yeah you should constantly move uh, there's someone said the best thing to me is like unless you feel like the shittest person in the room you need to keep changing rooms and it's always stuck with me and I feel like um that was something that I I had to learn about interviews and CVs and cover notes and and selling myself because I did want to regularly move um because those things don't just happen easily and so I was helping a lot of my peers and and I kind of felt like we've got a problem of of representation I know there's amazing people out there doing amazing things. And there's also people I know that struggle with self-promotion and CV writing and just talking about their achievements, literally just verbally with their friends. Like, it's so hard for some people. So I kind of just combined all that thinking together. And my thinking was always I could wait 10, 20 years until I've you know, won some big achievement in the industry, hopefully, or if I become an MD of a business or a CEO, or I could just create something where I'd I'd get noticed, but more importantly, I could give a space to people who deserve to be noticed. And I always said, if if, if I wasn't going to get invited to speak on those stages, I'll create my own stage where I choose who I represent and I celebrate. And so that's sort of the journey of, of where it all started. I, I love the whole, yeah, they don't give me a stage, so I'm going to make my own stage. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> we actually had a girl, like, it's funny you talk about like the whole representation thing. We had a girl um, on the podcast a few episodes ago. She had a iced coffee brand and she, she was in talks with like a very big brand on them buying it. But they, so she's, she's a bit younger than me. She's, she's quite, she's quite young. So this is probably why they said this. They, they basically like after a lot of negotiation, they basically turned around to her and said, your brand is like you, you're adorable. You're like, that's the word that they use. And I thought that was such a like patronizing word for her. And I really believe if it wasn't like for her gender or her, or her age, they wouldn't have used that word. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'll try to save the rant for another day, but I think the women way that women are treated, spoken to, the expectations, um, the way that we support female ambitions, like there's such a disconnect between male and female, um, and it's painful in 2020 for that to actually be the case. Um, but that those sorts of things can have such a lingering impact um, and effect on people's uh sort of ambitions and what they how they see themselves and it it does really frustrate me when I hear stories like that yeah I mean you must hear them pretty much on a daily basis right because this is the this is the industry that you're in yeah absolutely and and like I've experienced them myself one of my first jobs was actually really toxic and I had like an awful awful boss who was just verbally really abusive and would would say like horrendous things to the team saying that we didn't deserve the air we breathed and if things didn't go well he'd he'd lose his shit and it was it was scary and it definitely made you question your worth and I think um I actually think there needs to be like work therapy out there for people because specifically designed to address the issues that we've had in the workplace because they can really impact how we see ourselves and I know from my own personal experience 
how bosses or colleagues have treated me and how that's made me question certain aspects of myself uh, where I feel vulnerable and um in some cases it's made me feel vulnerable but in in a lot of ways it's actually just pushed me to work even harder and to, to prove them wrong and I think that's the best advice I can ever give to anyone that makes you feel that way is there's no sweeter feeling than being like actually look what I've done I, I remember someone said to me like oh you'll never go outside the city you think you'll go really far but you won't and it was when I was living in Manchester um and obviously like you know three years later I've I've just finished my first book and I'm running my own business and you know I'm really getting a lot of momentum and excitement around what I'm doing and I, I feel really proud that I can kind of I don't even need to go back to that person and show them. I'm sure they, they can see what's happening, but it's a really nice way to be like, actually, I don't I don't need to soak in the negativity that other people project. Actually, I can let go of that and, and let it be the thing that motivates me instead. So obviously there was a huge sort of driver for you to create this platform for yourself. Yeah. Did you actually know what sort of thing you wanted to get out of it what sort of thing you wanted to talk about or was it just I want a platform for this and then it will kind of follow on from there it's that's such an interesting question I, I actually rarely get asked that so I'm glad you asked it I, to be really transparent there were two two reasons I wanted to do it so like many people who work in the advertising industry um, there are lots of companies that, and clients that say they want to do good in the world and then you join those those environments and you think that you're going to get to work on purpose-led work and then all of a sudden you're selling whiskey and nobody's being helped and when you are working for a company you are a cog in the machine you don't control budgets you just have to churn and for me I just really wanted something where I could go to bed at the end of the day and be like I made a positive impact today and helping people with career advice and support I think people just always think about like a careers advisor, exactly how they were at school, which is just a really grumpy old middle-aged person who isn't hugely inspiring or empowering. So I really loved the idea of feeling like I could look back and and do something and, and do some great in the world. And then I think secondly, from a personal perspective, I always had ambitions that I wanted to be a TED speaker on my top goal list and that I would love to have made like, you know, the Forbes under 30 list and those things. And I just had a bit of a real honest chat with myself where I said, am I going to do this? You know, pushing the work that I'm pushing, only ever remaining in a company with other people where it's the company gets the spotlight it's never necessarily me and particularly as someone who works as an account management and pr production is you're very often the last person in the pecking order and and people care about so I, I sort of you know selfishly wanted to think about okay well if, if I want those things in my career do I have to wait 10 20 years to go run my own agency or, you know, quit, wait till I've figured out how to do all of that? Or can I do something on the side uh, where the best possible outcome is that I'm just helping people and it's immediate impact? But, you know, side effects uh, of that could actually be that I do grow my presence and I do grow my profile, which I'm really proud that that, you know, the latter has actually come true as as a result of everything that I've done with Foot Being Humble. So this year I made the Forbes under 30 list. 
um, the dots named me as the 100 women changing the creative industry. And during lockdown, I, I got to give a TEDx talk. So not quite TED, but I, I, I managed to do that. And, and I really do believe that had I not have invested in, in a side hustle for being humble, I just those opportunities for my profile just would not have happened. Before we talk about like Forbes 30 under 30 and the TEDx talks and all of that stuff, because I do want to go into those because I think that's really interesting. Before we go on to those, did you ever envisage the fuck being humble? Like you just talked about sort of the motivations behind it, but did you ever envision getting it this big and actually inspiring this many people? No, it, it like, I, I actually, the irony is like, I actually really struggle to sit down and reflect on the impact because if I do I think I'll probably get really emotional about it um but I I think um I I'd worked in advertising for seven years I know what makes a good brand I know what storytelling how storytelling works I really look love looking at behavioral and emotional psychology um and I just think I've always been someone that likes to be as inclusive as possible And so I think combining all of those kind of skills and that awareness, I just did what I thought was, you know, a good formula for something cool. And for me, honestly, a big part of it as well was like, I didn't get a pay review in one of my jobs. I didn't get the pay increase that I asked for. So I was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to go make some more money myself somehow. And and this was also a a good way for me to make money. So it, it really I always make the joke it was only ever meant to be like a side hustle or like a hobby or um you know something I did in my spare time it was it was never meant to be a book and all the things that has come from it and it's really surreal to to think of the progress that has, has happened in two years um I'm like eternally grateful for anyone that's ever respected and and valued and and I think one of the things that I've had to come up against a lot is particularly against white middle class men is people obviously challenging me for the name um foot being humble it goes against what we've been told for years um so it does it does get quite a lot of stick and I am the, the, the receiving end of that um but it's amazing to see people who have either changed their minds or um, you know, to be featured in mainstream press and, and see that or even being booked by brands like The Guardian and Google and Unilever because it, it, it shows that there's obviously merit and substance what I'm talking about. And I think I can't, everybody asks me, you know, what's next? What are you doing next? And I'm like, I, I don't know really because I haven't, I haven't planned that far in ahead. I think to your point, like, I think part of my ambition is like I, I plan month to month. Like I haven't got that. What does five years look like, ten years look like? Because I, I just try and take most days as they come and kind of be grateful for whatever comes my way. Well, I think that's what makes it like the. the I think that's what gives it the, the sort of specialty factor. I, I, I think if you planned it too far in advance, it wouldn't. I don't know. For me, I wouldn't be able to do that either. I think it would just kind of make the story not as enjoyable I suppose like the the whole fact of the journey and like you must think this as well is because it's unexpected or it kind of exceeds expectations and like that's the magical factor behind it all I think absolutely and and I I think a lot of people ask me about goal setting and and whether it's important and I think it's really good for you to have aspirations and ambitions that you aim towards I have definitely, with foot being humble, tried not to 
because like you say anything that comes from it I'm just then really grateful and um humbled by um because I believe it or not I I can be humble and I (laughs) do appreciate (laughs) those things but I I think it, it helps you to reduce the pressure on on performing or reaching a goal by an age or by a certain point and and actually it just makes you just really appreciate when things do go really well uh, it's just an added bonus then rather than like goal tick done i was on the bbc actually talking about that um how we set age limits on success whatever success is in our eyes and that just sets us up for like a lot of anxiety and just it just, it's such a toxic thing to do but it's something that's very, very prevalent in our generation. Yeah, it's huge. So I don't know if you want to talk about that now, because I mean, we've talked about that a lot on, on other episodes. But yeah, it's something that, that definitely exists. Absolutely. And I think it's so easy. I talk about it in, in the book, actually. Um, I talk about there's like three stages of envy, like straight up envy, resentment envy, and then fantasy envy. And I talk about like fantasy envy being this emotion that we feel where we're jealous of things we don't actually want in our lives. We're just we're just jealous um, because we feel like we should be doing something. And, you know, it's I have to obviously, you know, there's my career has kind of supercharged and gone really quickly. And I definitely have some peers that feel like, oh, why is that not happened? Yeah. And I just have to constantly remind them that like, if you look at it like a timeline of when is it going to happen for me? When is everything going to fall into place? You're just constantly living this like resentment or regret that like not everything's happening immediately. And I wrote about in the book, like Samuel Jackson was only in a first good film, like aged 40. Vera Wang only designed a wedding dress or had her own wedding dress shot when she was like 40 or 50 as well. Like there's lots of things that happen to like people later on in life. David Attenborough, like absolute legend. And he's like over 80. Like it doesn't, you know, we could work our entire careers and that light bulb moment or those, that profile raising may not actually get the outcome you want until you are 95, but that doesn't mean none of it's worth it. But I think, on the flip side of that as well, I also just want to say like, because I've definitely suffered ageism in the workplace where people have been like, oh, you're only 25 though, just hold on, that'll happen in a few years. And I think it's really worth noting that when you have um, people treat you like that, that's not a good environment. That is not a space where you're being empowered and encouraged. That is older people feeling either threatened or struggling to manage your ambition and and actually it's not it's not a healthy space for you to be in because you need to be in rooms where people are like wow you're doing amazing at your age like not in spite of it they need to be like that you don't want them slowing you down because you're performing very well at a young age like that that is not the space you need to be in so it's absolutely a balancing act I don't think that you should set you know timelines where you're like by 30 I need to be on x salary or you know x y and z because as a global pandemic has just taught us all of that can get thrown out of the window in seconds so it's it's I think like just letting yourself go of like unexpected like not unexpected but like really letting yourself free of any goals maybe you set when you were like 10 or 15 or even last year and just recognizing that every year you change the world changes your industry changes and sometimes 
that trajectory that you envisage for yourself or the career that you'd lined up doesn't always work out that way and it's 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 really okay um and also there's that element of like when you go too quick there is that thing of like well what now next and that I think sometimes you can get into a burnout phase from that when you're constantly pressuring yourself to perform 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 when sometimes you need to slow down a bit and like relish in those moments of success I want to talk to Steph a bit more about the Fuck Being Humble journey and how it went from a group of promoting self-advocacy to eventually becoming a published author and, you know, having an actual book to sell on Amazon and everything. A really exciting process, but I really wanted to sort of talk to her about the transition because it's such a quick transition in the space of only two years. So we talk about that now. Sure. So I basically started an Instagram page um, because I definitely have an addiction to Instagram. I was like, I need to channel this more productively. So I made an Instagram account. Um, I wrote an article on LinkedIn why I started a self-promotion platform called Foot Being Humble. Obviously, LinkedIn can be quite dry and it needs disrupting. And that was very disruptive at the time. Lots of people read it, liked it, shared it. I, I got uh, interviewed by the Times, they wrote a double page spread on Foot Being Humble before it even started running my event series. Then I was invited to speak on BBC World News, and it it just like really organically grew very quickly. And I had a lot of pressure building on me before I'd even ran my first event. And events were always at the core of the service offerings. So I always wanted to run community led events where it was accessible in price and. Um, as I said, like had panels of, you know, diverse creatives that were doing really cool stuff that people could learn from. So I sort of ran the events and went from there and um, the momentum it was gaining. I, I got a few phone calls from different publishers saying you should write a book. And I literally was like, no, thank you. I'm not a writer. Hung up the phone. And it's kind of funny because I've always been a really good talker and storyteller. and But writing is not necessarily where I would have placed myself at. Um, it's always that thing of like practice. I, I never really had the practice to do it. And then when I started to see the impact that Foot Being Humble was having, uh, I started getting more corporate clients speaking for brands like Google and Unilever and Warner Music. Um, I started to see that people were really buying into what I was talking about. And actually, I, I was seeing results and I was really helping people. So I got back in contact with the publisher and I was like, okay, let's go for this. Um, I had to write a proposal and two sample chapters. And when you do that, then it gets sent out to a range of um, different publishers and, and then they bid on it. So it was a full auction bid um, for people kind of put in an offer. And then I chose who I felt was going to do the best job. Um, and then I had eight months to write the book. Um, so it was really intense. Uh, it was a full-time job so I spent every Saturday writing it um and and then it's kind of yeah all slowly just come together really nicely but it's yeah I, I think my core channels were always like Instagram and LinkedIn were where I knew my audience Instagram was where I'd build a community and could share funny memes about selling sunsets or like you know just jokes kind of content that could connect with everyday people LinkedIn was where I'd push my profile attract clients get more corporate talks and and help yeah just sort of build my reputation 
And then there was obviously the events, which were this was, was the service and the, the offering that I was giving. And then the book was really nice because it was essentially like a physical manifestation of the brand and the the message actually. And it, it, it yeah, it's amazing to know that it will always be out there in the world and and people can, you know, pick it up and have it with them for the rest of their life. What's really interesting to me is that you started this as a side hustle, which is really commendable. And I also think that's how you should start a lot of projects. I'm starting a side hustle at the moment in um, the food space and like really enjoying it actually. I'm, I'm planning on doing a vlog series about it, but yeah, so I'm doing that. But I, I think if you do it as like a, a solo thing just to start off with, I don't know, like I, I like st- like planning stuff on the side. But my, I don't know why I'm getting a bit like um, going on a tangent here. My actual question was this side hustle that you started, obviously you talked about the reception of the name before. So fuck being humble. Obviously you still had your job and they must have seen that sort of thing. What was the sort of reception from there? Yeah, again, really good question. I actually think I might write an article about how to grow a side hustle whilst working full time because I know that's a lot of people get nervous or worried about it um I think initially there was a bit of a can you handle doing both to which I I obviously just explained that yes it's just like me having a hobby of going to football or playing hockey on a weekends it's just that I'm actually just working on it on social media um, you know, there's the benefits of like building my network, building connections. I raise my profile. I raise the company profile. I think for anyone who's wanting to start a side hustle with a full time job, it's really worth really just carefully formulating a plan for when that conversation comes up or how you can discuss the benefits, why it will work, how you can really reassure them that it won't affect your um you know, your time management or your, I don't know, it it won't take away from your full-time job because that's all companies really care about. Um, But one thing I would say that I learned to get better at is that sometimes you feel like you want to, you want to share as much about it just to be transparent and honest, but also to show them that you're growing and you're doing cool stuff outside the job and they should see that because they, then maybe you could do more stuff within the workplace. I think the flip side is, sadly, particularly in older generations, there is a bit of an insecurity around that and a fear that maybe you'll go off and do different things. Um, you know, back in, you know, my parents' days and, and older generations, you'd just literally have one job, no hobbies. You'd come home, cook dinner, go to that was it. So it's quite hard for people to comprehend how we could all be doing it in one go. But I think just, you know, just be considerate with what you share and don't feel like you need to overshare just sort of you know tell tell them as and when they need to know information or when you think it might help you in the workplace but just be mindful that some people are a bit nervous about it I think if I ever employ someone and they have a side hustle I'll do nothing but encourage and respect them providing you know that they they are able to manage both because I think it's I think it's really important to like remind people that you work usually eight hours a day in a, in a job. So really a side hustle means you can only ever work three or four hours at, at night on it. So as long as you can communicate to an employer that, you know, it's not going to affect um, how you perform in the day job, then that should be fine. But 
yeah, I, I've had I had a mixed response. I had some really positive ones, and and then I had definitely a few situations where it was questioned. Um, but again, I think it's about assessing whether that's a genuine concern or whether it's an insecurity of that person, or you know, perhaps the company isn't performing that well and they think you should be working harder. And then it's just about having an honest conversation about what the real problem is as opposed to it being you and your side hustle and plus i guess a lot of people don't really understand it i I think a lot of people have that sort of uh perception or that sort of roadmap in their minds of of get a job nine to five and then that's that's kind of it and i'm not saying that's wrong at all i'm saying that that just doesn't work for some people but when you kind of have conversations with with say older generations or older views where that is all they know like and then you bring up this side hustle especially with with a name like fuck being humble they'll be like (laughs) like what like what even is it yeah and I think the closer it is to your chosen industry that's where there's a bit of doubt and fear um because obviously you know they 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 might think well you could have done that for us or there's there's so many complex conversations that could be had but I think it's really just about like having really strong confidence in yourself and communicating that they don't need to overlap. Um, they have they can work separately and they won't interfere with one another. Um, but just I think, you know, I've built a huge network of people. I've spoken to brands, there's no way I would have got in front of if I hadn't have started Foot Being Humble, that I actually could have, you know, generated business out of in my full-time job. And and I think it's just about communicating to your employer the actual benefits of it rather than it being something that would distract you. I want to move on to Forbes 30 under 30 and every other sort of all those other ones how did those kind of come about and so with Forbes 30 under 30 I actually nominated myself and I'm really passionate about being open about this because I think we sit around and wait for these opportunities to happen for us when we don't realize that behind every successful celebrity or entrepreneur is a marketing team or a PR agent getting those opportunities so I had to fill out like 75 questions on why I deserve to be the Forbes under 30 and it was horrible I nearly quit about three times I was like I can't do this there's no way and I'm so glad I persevered because it's that immediate self-doubt that talks us out of so many situations or you know opportunities so I think for that I just nominated myself um and that came through and that was amazing with like the dots um creative 100 women um that was based on an event i i hosted a workshop of mine somebody attended and then put me forward and again i invited someone that i'd not spoken to in ages and she bought a plus one and she ended up being the person that that got me that um nomination of the dots 100 women and i think that again is really important about I think a lot of the time we get worried about reaching out to old connections or school friends or people you've not spoken to in a while, but you just never know who they might know or who they might bring or, you know, it's really important to just be as open as possible and be as inclusive as possible because you never know how people might help you with that. Um, I think naturally, like obviously with the book um, and like during lockdown, I literally did I think a webinar like every week from March to about June July when I started to like be like no I need to (laughs) I need to slow down and that was really intense but how often do you constantly put something out 
constantly show your value every single week. And obviously those workshops that I was running were how to write your CV, how to uh, self-promote, how to get more money. And it, it ended up being a really good word of mouth space and, and way to build up my global sort of audience which has been amazing because before I was only really targeting people in London now I had people joining from South Africa to New York to New Zealand to Australia and it's that whole thing is the more content you put out about yourself the more you will be seen it's really basic it's really obvious but we I have lots of people that I've supported and helped and they've said I just really want to get a job with this place or I want to be known for this and I'm like but what are you doing to make that happen other than just producing work? Because if if a shop just produced a pair of trainers and put them in their store, people wouldn't just rock up and say, oh, I'm going to buy those or I'm going to Instagram those. You know, somehow you have to get people to your shop window. So how are you doing that? And, that, and I think that's really important with winning any sort of industry recognition is like somebody's got to be writing that proposal or that case study or filling out that form for you if it's not you then who is doing that and a lot of the time we've got to get over this fear that we sound stupid or that it's self-indulgent and just re- realize that everyone is doing it this is something that i want to be really transparent about as well like even this so you sp- you speak about like wanting opportunities to come to you they they just don't they never come towards you you have to do stuff to to attract those sort of things and even like just to show you the power of this even this this podcast that i created a few months ago in in lockdown like i guess a lot of people will i've, I've had a lot of questions from people like wanting to start a podcast thinking like should i actually start one will anyone actually like listen to me and just bring up a lot of excuses about it but for me, it's brought up so many cool opportunities. Like I've, uh, especially around my sponsorship, like they gave me like a lump sum of money and they've given me like a free MBA to do, um, fully funded, which is worth like a thousand dollars. And wow, like that's, amazing. those are some like crazy, yeah, it's really, it's actually so sick. Like I can't express how like, how cool that is. But even though like this podcast is fairly small in the grand scheme of things compared to say the big ones, even still because like it's me and it's just me basically and my editor recently behind this project it's opened so so many doors for me it's really crazy like I've spoken BBC I've I've spoken like at other events and if it wasn't for this podcast it wouldn't be possible and and so I think your message around that is is 100% true and I just want to resonate that you don't have to be as big as you to reap those benefits. You can literally be as small as, well, not that small now, but in the early stages, it just takes a while to grow, but it will come. Those opportunities will come. To follow on from that is that like two years ago, I was a nobody. Like, and I don't know you're a nobody, anyone listening is a nobody, but like I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, recognized in the industry. I felt like I was constantly working really hard. I felt like it was overlooked. I felt just frustration and resentment I never felt valued and I feel like yeah all the things that you've just said is when you create something that you can be known for outside of work or you know outside of the constraints of a company or a client's demands then that is what you will get known for that is how you build your reputation until you do that Sadly, for a lot of people, you are just a cog in the machine. And it's not to say that everyone needs to do it. And it's not to say you can't have a really successful career just working at a company. But I just think 
it's that whole question I ask a lot of people. And I think it's probably nice for me to get, use this towards the end, which is like, what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want your grandkids to say about you? And if what you're doing right now isn't enough to fulfill that dream of what you want people to think of you or you want your legacy to be, then how can you get to that? How can you get closer to that? Steph, I think that's an amazing note to finish on, actually. Um, I'm not going to say anything else because <laughs> I think that was a really good note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on. I It's an absolute pleasure to meet you finally and to actually have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been really nice to chat and, and I wish you all the luck with the podcast and, and any of the future stuff that you work on. Okay, great. Cool. How can people stay in touch with you and what you're doing? I know loads of people will try to, you know, get in contact with you and, and see what you're up to. So if you follow us on Instagram at FBeingHumbleLDN, yeah, definitely follow us. I put all the daily tips and advice on there. So check us out on there. Please do grab a copy of the Foot Being Humble book. Honestly, I've had so many people get in touch to say it's been just what they needed um, post-pandemic. I'll put the link in the description for all of those. Amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm also running a side hustle school, um, which is a course to help people start their own side hustle and passion projects. It's actually starting on the 19th of October. So if this comes out after then um i'll actually be running the course in the future and sort of hopefully monthly at some point so please do stay in touch and join the newsletter because that's usually where i'll promote all of these things so that you can stay on top of, of any exciting opportunities for sharing okay fantastic thank you so much again for coming on steph and maybe i'll have you on in the future who knows maybe there'll be a part two amazing well i'll look forward to it if it happens thank you so much Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. And thank you so much for listening to the very end of the podcast. It really means a lot. If you want to check out Steph's book, it's in the link below. Uh, it's an Amazon link, so be sure to check that out. It's a really, really cool story, and I can't wait to actually get my hands on a book and read it myself. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We do podcasts on millennial entrepreneurs, <laughs> as it says in the title. But if you're new, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe and to follow us on our Instagram page. That's where all the new episodes get announced, along with all the audiograms, all of the previews, all of that good stuff. So we've just hit episode 30. And with your support in the future, I'm sure we can hit another 30 and another 30 after that. So thank you so much for supporting and I'll see you in the next episode.